I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, recorders on, so if we do about 15 seconds of background noise and then uh, it'll be easy for editing. Yeah, perfect, perfect, yeah. Um, perfect, so. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, and you can also reach us on the show on our new Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. Hi, I'm Russ Golden. I am the host of Cottage Talk. You can reach me on Twitter at Cottage Talk or at Russ underscore Goldman. Cottage Talk is a show all about form football club. Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. Uh, I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. Um, I do a lot of writing, blogging regarding Sheffield Wednesday. You can check out my website, which is louisshackshaft.com, or um, just find me on Twitter, which is uh, at Louis Shackshaft. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, obviously, we had a week off last week because I physically had no voice and, and wasn't able to record the show. So there's a, a bit to catch up on. Um, sort of the main story over the last sort of fortnight or so is uh, Hull sacking Leonard Slutsky, um, their Russian manager who'd only been in the job six months. Uh, since then, they've got Nigel Adkins in and he managed to pick up a win in his first game in charge at the weekend. Um, I just wanted to start by asking you, um, obviously, good result against Brentford that they had. Um, still leaking goals, though, conceded uh, two in the game, but managed to come away with the three points. Do you think Adkins is the right man to sort of steer him clear in the relegation zone first and foremost and then slowly take them up to table to sort of the playoffs or wherever they'd be aiming to be come the end of the season? Uh, start with you first on this, Russ. Well, I think uh, at this point, it really is about survival. So for me, it's okay with the move to Nigel Atkins. I think he can help them eventually move up the table. But I think first things first, it's just getting away from that relegation zone. And uh, it's funny because that's something that we've talked about a great deal on Cottage Talk. Uh, Whenever a, a team is struggling at any points of the season, you start hearing the talk about Sacking the manager, Louis can talk about that with, with with his manager because it happens on so many teams and you hear the talk and when is, when is a good time to make the change? I understand why Hal said he made the change. This is the right time to make the change. And uh, I think when you get someone that has uh, experience like this in the championship and in other divisions, I think he's the right person to steady the ship. And then you take it from there. Is he the right person to move them forward out of the division? No, I'm not sure about that. Uh, but for right now, I think he's the right person in charge. And, and I think it's a it's the right move. It, it actually is the right move. Uh, I've had a decent amount of time to think about it because my Cottage Star co-host thought it was a brave move. I, I don't know if I call it a brave move. One of my co-hosts said that. I just think it was the right move. Yeah, I must say uh... – <sighs> You know, when they appointed 
Adkins is is a name where if he was taking over at my club at Sheffield Wednesday, I, I won't be overly impressed. However, at the same time, they beat Brentford 3-2 and had a cracking win. And, and, you know, from there, it's going to build confidence. But not only that, I think he's took over at a perfect time because he's got, obviously, about three or four games now before the January window. And then, obviously, in the window, he's got time to bring in players, whether the free transfer or whether he's got money available, I don't know. You can also bring in players on loan, for example. And we all know that Hull have got a very, very small squad. And that's ultimately the issue with Hull City because on paper, they have got a couple of decent players. I mean, you you look at Abel Hernandez as an example and he's probably one of the best strikers in the league or, or should be or should be thereabouts, if that makes sense. Um, but, like I said, if he was taking over at my club, I've never really been convinced by Adkins. I know he had a bit of success at Southampton and, and Scunthorpe United. Um, but, like I say, that, that first win under his belt in his first game, that's only going to give Hull City a lot of confidence going forward. Um, I believe now they are, I think, the six points clear of the relegation zone. So that win initially was, was a huge win for them, six-pointer, if you like. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think it's a perfect time for him to take over. He can, in one month's time or three weeks' time, start building a or get a few players that he, he knows and he'll get the best out of them and bring into Hull City. So I think he'll he'll definitely keep Hull City up. And, and if anything, I think once the window's over by April, they could even finish halfway in the league. Yeah, I think definitely it is the right time for for Hull to make the change. I think, as you've both said, he's got sort of about a month to to really sort of gauge where his squad's at, what he needs. As as you mentioned, Louis, they've got one of the smaller squads in the division as well. So I think definitely in January they will look to bring a few players in and you know sort of aim to get away from that relegation zone. Um, he's as, as we've said, he, he's not sort of a, a standout pick, but he is a manager that knows the division well. He's he's had uh, success in the division before with Southampton. So they've played it safe. Um, I do think he'll keep them up. I think probably about mid-table is where they'll be aiming to finish. Um, I don't think at the, at the present moment, obviously, things can change with who they bring in. Um, I don't think they're good enough to get into the top six. So I reckon around mid-table is where he'd be aiming to be. But first and foremost, as you said, Rust, they need to be looking to to get away from that relegation zone, getting points on the board. And, you know, ultimately then they can start to talk about sort of pushing on up the league. Exactly, yeah. Um, where would you sort of see them as sort of realistically aiming to finish the season? Obviously, we're... We're getting to about the halfway stage now, and I think at the start of the season, not many Hull City fans would have predicted them to be as low down as they are. Um, where realistically would you say is is a place that Adkins can take them this season? Personally, I think uh, as Louis was saying before, if he can right the ship and then bring in a few more players that can have a impact once they come in, I, I think that they can move as uh, far up as say mid-table, maybe even 11th or 10th. Uh, I, I think that is realistic because, as Louis said, th- th- it's not like they don't have talent on this team. They, they certainly do. But uh, I think uh, the first thing you need to do is build a team. And and uh, the team right now needs to be built together under Atkins. Uh, what he wants them to do, solidify them, get them hard to beat, 
and then of course then you can build from that point on. But he's got talent on that team, but it but he needs to add to it, like you guys are talking about. They need players. They they need bodies. And uh once he does that, I could see it going into close to the top ten because the talent is already there. You just need to bring in more players and add to what you have and and build the identity that Atkins wants for uh, for Hull City. It's not for me the same situation as say Sunderland. Sunderland I think is a is a really hard situation for uh for Chris Coleman and Kit Simons right now. That is about survival uh because they were given a really bad situation. We talked about this uh on, on the show at the beginning of the season. I thought that team was in real danger of uh of relegation and they still are. So Hull City are different for where they are compared to Sunderland. I think they are they can more than survive, they can actually I wouldn't say thrive because mid table's not thriving, but they can they can salvage their season. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, Hull City were just going through a transition period and I think it's been obviously frustrating for Slutsky because he's been at the wrong end of that. And now Adkins is probably going to get more praise, if you like, because obviously going forward, they probably are going to climb the table. And I think it's just, like I mentioned, the transition period. They've lost players like Harry Maguire and Huddleston. And once we get to such as January and then the summer next year and the transfer window, they're going to get in the players that they need. And like Russ said, for me, I think they can finish easily 12th this season. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, one team that we're sort of looking to to mainly get promoted, they've sort of taken quite a lot of people by surprise, but they have had a, a fantastic start is Sheffield United. And over the last few weeks, they've really sort of dropped off the boil a bit. Just looking at their form, they've got one draw and three defeats in the last four games. And, you know, I don't like to sort of uh, make, or sort of praise myself too much, but when we did the the team of the season so far a few weeks ago, I highlighted Paul Coots as sort of the player that has really made him tick so far this season. Yep. And I don't think it's sort of any coincidence. Obviously, he suffered that nasty leg break against Burton Albion. And, and since then, they've not won a game. They've picked up a point. Um, I believe it was against Birmingham and then lost their other three games around that. Um is it a case of them not having the biggest squad and, and sort of dealing with injuries now, or is it sort of a, a team sort of figuring them out a bit now? Obviously, quite a lot of teams have, have played them at least once and they've, you know, had an opportunity to look at them. Um, is it a case of the rest of the division learning from that now, or are they sort of suffering with not having the biggest squad in the league? Um, we'll start with you first on this, Louis. Where Sort of what is the problem with Sheffield United at the moment and how do you think they'll sort of rectify that? If I'm completely honest, I don't think there actually is much of a problem at Sheffield United. Um, losing three out of the four, yes, they've done that, but that doesn't make you a bad team overnight. I think what happened with Sheffield United, and take nothing away from them, they have been fantastic this season. They've been one of the most or best-performing team as an eleven on the pitch um, this season and I think what's happened to Sheffield United is and quite rightly so they are up there in the table but they carried the momentum from last season when obviously they got promoted from League One and the only issue that I believe that this season where they're going to slowly revert back down the league is just simply because the quality of the teams around them and 
the games just come thick and fast, and especially this time of year. As you all know, it gets to Christmas and New Year, and you're playing four or five games over a space of two weeks um, or even ten days. And it, it, like I say, it just thick and fast. And, and losing one or two games on the bounce, is, it, it happens to every single team in this league. I oh. know... Yeah, well, I mean, I know, like you said, Coots got injured and, and everything plays its part. Injuries, suspensions, um, obviously uh, they might have a, a lack of confidence now because they've lost three, in a, like on, not on the bounce, but they've, they've lost three out of the last four. Um, and I think, you know, you, you take that all into consideration. And another thing is, and, and again, take nothing away from Sheffield United, but on paper, other teams have better quality players. And I think over the course of a season and, you know, 30 games and 40 games and then finally 46 games, quality prevails. And, you know, that that's another reason why Sheffield United, I don't think have got any problems because they were overachieving. But for me, they're going to finish between... Six and tenth this season, and and that's, in my eyes, a good season for Sheffield United. Yeah, definitely. I think what sort of has, has happened with Sheffield United, as you said, they they've rode that sort of success from last season and brought it into this year sort of fantastically well. And I do, I do think you know now is sort of their first real test almost in the division. They've they've had a few bad results, but speaking to a few friends that I've got as Sheffield United fans, they've said you know they're still in games. It's not as if they've been sort of turned over very easily. They've been quite unlucky in the few games. Obviously, Friday night, desperately unlucky against Bristol City. Um, I think the woodwork, I think it was four or five times in the game and then got undone with a last-minute goal that Aidan Flint scored, who's you know been fantastic for Bristol this season. And I do think they've been unlucky in some games. And as you said, Louis, I, I do think they're a good team and they will sort of end up in and around the playoffs. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, not many people would have expected that. So they... In a way, uh, sort of the way we're talking about them now, they have become a victim of their own success a little bit. You know, everyone's sort of been taken by surprise by them and they've done fantastically well. So it is about now how they come through this period. If they can, you know, pick up a few points over Christmas, they'll still be there or thereabouts. And, you know, um, Wilder's done a fantastic job there. So let's not take anything away from him. He's He's got them up into sixth in the league at the moment. You know, they're only... Uh, I think it's three points off third still, so it's incredibly tight at the top of the table. Um, so, you know, they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season, I think. And, you know, with someone like Liam Clark, who looks a, a reborn player this season, um, sort of from seeing him at Preston, where he, he looked like he wasn't even suited to, you know, Championship or League One football at all. To see him sort of doing so well now this season is sort of a real testament to Wilder's ability to get the best out of players. Um, so I do think they'll be fine and, you know, sort of comfortably finishing and around the playoffs. Um, what would be your sort of opinion on that, Louis? Uh, real sorry. Well, it's funny because Louis made a, a lot of good points and so do you. It's funny because I was thinking about this. This really, for me, with Sheffield United is welcome to the championship because all of our clubs have faced adversity. This is the first time that they're facing adversity. They were coming off the high of uh, of last season and playing with a lot of confidence. Well, now you're learning to deal. You have to figure out how to deal when you lose two, three matches in a row because it happens to all teams. This is the true test for Sheffield United. Can they 
continue to figure this out, continue the momentum, and be in the top six, or will they be somewhere between, say, seventh and tenth? I'm going to say that they're probably going to end up more towards seventh and tenth because I think that they are punching above their weight. I, I think that's what's going on here. I think that they came in and played very well and just kept going and going and going. And then when the first time they faced adversity was with this injury to Coots. They faced Fulham. They faced my club, and we beat them. And uh, it was a crazy match. Uh, they fought the entire way through. It kept going back and forth. But that, I think that was really the first case where they've had to have dealt with some adversity, and then they've had some bad results since then. So this is the true test for for this team. And if they can come through it, if they could figure out the championship and figure out that this is going to happen to all teams, then maybe they can go on a run again. Uh, but as you guys were talking about, I don't know if they have the talent of some other teams. So that's why I am probably going to – think that they're going to go further down than where they are right now just because it's a tough league and I think they just got off to this great start and then the momentum kept building and I think now they're figuring out that it is difficult and I do think that teams I wouldn't say figured them out but they now know how to play against them whereas in the beginning I think it was a little bit fresh and they had more of the psychological advantage now the advantage I think is switching to their opponents and listen, Fulham deals with this right now. I know Sheffield Wednesday deals with this. Teams are now game planning specifically on how to take away what these teams want to do. And now it's going to happen to Sheffield United. That's what we tried to do. And now they have to figure out, okay, how do, can we win these games in different ways? That's the true test for Sheffield United. Yeah, definitely. I think, or well, hopefully, uh, it sort of carries on the little slump that they're on at the weekend when we play them. Um, <laughs> sort of from a, a selfish point of view, and sure. sort of look, looking at the tables. Of, obviously, Sheffield United are in sixth, but then obviously you've got the chasing pack, and it's fascinating. Really, it seems to happen every year. Leeds are in seventh, all the way down to Sheffield Wednesday, who are in fourteenth, separated by six points. So. It's that tight, I think, at the sort of upper middle of the table at the moment that, you know, there's there's one of probably about seven or eight teams that have a real good case of getting into the playoffs this season. Um, I just wanted to ask both of you two, obviously, all our teams are, are in and around that chasing pack. Obviously, Preston in 10th, Fulham 12th, and, and Sheffield Wednesday in 14th. But we're only separated by five points, so it's not as if sort of the playoff pack are running away with it so much. Um, I wanted to get both of your thoughts on, first and foremost, where do we think our teams are going to end up sort of coming out of the Christmas period? Obviously, the games come thick and fast. Um, and then which team, in your opinion, is going to be sort of the outsider team that makes a real push of it? Um, obviously, there's there's that surprise package each year um, that tends to put a run together around Christmas and come out of the new year you know, out of nowhere, really, uh, pushing into the playoffs. Um, we'll start with you first on this one, Louis. How do you see sort of Sheffield Wednesday progressing over the, the Christmas and New Year period? And, and who would you tip as sort of a surprise package to get into the playoffs coming off the back of it? Well, talking Sheffield Wednesday, it's very difficult to say um, because I sound like a broken record on this podcast, but I do know do not know what to expect of Sheffield Wednesday from game to game. Um I mean, of late, we've, we've not been good whatsoever. In fact, it's been very disappointing. And in fact, 
it wouldn't surprise me when we play Wolves on Friday if that is even possibly Carvajal's last game in charge if wow. we don't get a victory or at least a point. Um, it has it has come to that where the majority of fans now are asking for his head, and it's been like a slow process getting to this stage. Ooh, are you still backing him? Right. If I'm honest, Russ, it's I said on this podcast six weeks ago that I would always back Carvas, Carlos Carvajal until the point where I'm a firm believer in looking at the table at Christmas. And I said, if we are not anywhere near the top six by Christmas, then I said he's got to go. So sticking by my word, with two games to go before Christmas Day, um, we mathematically can't be anywhere near top six, really. The, the best we could be is, well, give or take a few games, is, is eighth or ninth. But with the games we've got against Wolves and and whatever, there's... I'm, I've got to stick by my word and, and, and say that for me, and I'm first time I'm ever saying this on a podcast or to anybody, is that Carlos, for me, has now got to go. Wow. Uh, we, we, we need a change, and, and I'm not necessarily saying Carlos is the problem, um, but something has got to give, and as you all know, it's always the manager. <laughs> and I think if if we if we are going to save our season... Uh, because we've still got, a, like you've just mentioned, James, we've, we've got a possibility of, of getting in in the playoffs. There's, there's only 10 points in it, which, you know, with, with 25 games remaining, there's a hell of a lot of points to play for. But something has got to change. And I said if it wasn't going to be Carlos, it was his tactics. Well, he's not changing his tactics and our form has been... Well, you know, me and me and Russ can talk about this all day because all we're simply doing is drawing. I mean, yes. if you look at she- Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham, Both we've basically yeah, we've we've replicated <laughs> each other's team for the last 24 months now. Like we've, yeah. we've we've basic. I mean, if I can sum up Sheffield Wednesday's season and probably Fulham's, Russ, you probably agree with me. You yeah. just have to look at the goal difference, which is zero. Yeah. yeah. Because when you look at goal difference of zero, and it says to me. We, that is as good as we are. We are bang average at best. We are no better than a zero goal difference and we are no worse than a zero goal difference. That sums up how we are playing as a team and it sums up where we are in the league, which is currently 14th. Um, so to answer your question regarding, I know I've gone off on a tangent a little, <laughs> but to answer your question regarding Sheffield Wednesday this season, I could not tell you if we're going to finish just above the relegation zone or in fifth or sixth position. So I, I, I just, it's going to all boil down to whether our chairman makes a decision in the next, I'll say, three weeks, you know, before the new year, if he does bring in a new manager or not. Um, however, regarding other teams, I mean, I'm, I'm going to put it out there and say that I think, I know Leeds United had a dip and I think they've started to come good again and I think Leeds United will eventually finish in, in the playoffs and, and, and in that top six. Um, Middlesbrough, you know, they should be there, but for me, they keep underperforming. They're, they're, they're probably, for me, going to finish where they are now, eighth or ninth. Ipswich, again, I think they're quite good at home, but no, no better than where they are as well, ninth or tenth. Um, the, the team I'd like to see in there is your team, James. And I'm not just saying that because 
you're a friend of mine, but I really like watching <laughs> I like watching Preston North End, and I think I do the, too. By the way, I'm I'm going to second yeah, that. I yeah, do too. I, mean, I think they've really got it in them to finish fifth or sixth this season. The only concern for me regarding Preston is injuries and suspensions. I think once once you know a couple of players and, and and the spine of the team go missing, that's that's where they're struggling this season. And I think you'll agree with me there. Um, but I'm going to put it out there and say that the, the teams that finish in the playoffs this season will be Cardiff, Derby, Aston Villa and Leeds United. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on uh, on Preston in, in that sense that, you know, sort of looking at some of the stats from this season, um, Jordan Hugill, six goals, six yellow cards. Ben Pearson has had sort of six or seven yellow cards. You know, it's sort of what it's dead frustrating watching us play we're not by any means sort of uh, a sort of a dirty team we're not a particularly physical team it's it's all these sort of nagging little fouls that add up but you're over a tough a game team and, you're a tough yeah, team in yeah, a positive definitely. way yeah we sort of watching us play we pick up and i put it down to sort of the fact that we are a very young team you know there's a lot of players still learning their craft you know we forget how young people like ben pearson are Josh Harrop's come in from Man United and they're all only in sort of their first or second sort of proper what I'd class as, as sort of playing seasons. Obviously, people like Josh Harrop have played for United Reserves, but it, it's completely different than to, to getting out and playing for, you know, like a team like Preston week in, week out in the championship. And sort of, I think over the next year or two, I think that disciplinary problem will sort of correct itself as, as players pick up a bit more experience and, you know, know when to make a tackle and when not to make a tackle. And sort of, I would like to see us sort of kick on in, in and around the playoffs. I think sort of chatting to a few fans over the weekend, we've come out of the sort of the injury crisis that we had, where we had sort of eight or nine sort of first team defenders out injured. And now that we're getting players back fit, we are, you know, putting a run together again. And our next two games, Sheffield United at home and Nottingham Forest at home, obviously teams that are in and around us. And, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how we come out of those two games going into the Christmas period. Because I do think we've got it in us. Um, obviously, the question mark's always going to be over our defensive sort of issues. I'd like to see us bring in another couple of defenders over the sort of the January transfer market. Um, but the attacking players we've got sort of at the moment, and I don't want to go too much into it now because it'll sort of ruin my... Uh, sort of review of the game sort of a bit later on. People like Daryl Horgan and Callum Robinson who've really come in from the cold um, and over the last sort of two or three weeks have been absolutely fantastic and you know now they're keeping sort of players that I would have had at the start of the season as nailed on first team, sort of first name on the sheet almost players, keeping them out the sides so it's fantastic sort of attacking wise that we've got that many options at the moment. But I think the defensive issue is, and as, as you said, Louis, the de- the uh, disciplinary issue is going to be sort of that question mark that hangs over us. Um, obviously, Fulham are sort of in and around there as well, Russ. How yep. would you sort of see them progressing over the, the Christmas period? And is the playoffs a realistic possibility for you? Well, it's funny because uh, I'm glad that Louis brought up this uh, fact that, that both Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday are real mirror images of each other with all these draws that, that drive me crazy. And, and Louis warned me about that a year ago, and here we are. Yes. We're talking about all these draws, and, and draws can really just do a number on you uh, when you see other teams that are, are just e- either winning or losing, and we have all these draws. Uh, so 
it's uh it's tough but what's interesting right now is that uh we're starting to get healthy and and part of the problem that that Fulham had you, we could talk about the playoff hangover I think was the injury to uh Tom Kearney uh it's funny because uh he's he's been injured since preseason he's still not back to 100% and he really is the main guy for Fulham. Uh, everything is built around him. And uh, the fact that he's starting to get healthier and, and uh, everyone around him is obviously playing better because when you play with a healthy Kearney, that does help you. He's not fully healthy yet. So I, I'm encouraged uh, in a very strange way. We're not having these very good performances, but we're winning matches. And that, to me, is encouraging uh, we just talked about this on Cottage Talk, and uh, I gave the uh, comparison. Um, what's what's better here? A win is a win or a very good performance? And Fulham did not have a very good performance in the last match, which we'll talk about. But they grounded, ground, they grounded out this victory, and they did the same thing against Millwall. And uh, the fact that they're able to do that is encouraging. And the match is coming up. The next two matches are both winnable. They're on the road to Sunderland, and that's a winnable match. And I know that they have the uh, change of managers, so uh, that will be interesting. Two, two, four, four, um, two four former Fulham men are, are up now in Sunderland, which is interesting. Uh, and then they're home at Barnsley, and then, and then we get into the uh, other matches around Christmas and New Year's. So there's an opportunity there uh, because we are – three points behind our pace from last season. I just checked it before we did the show. So we're only three points away. So I'm not counting us out. And I'm also not counting out Sheffield Wednesday. What's interesting is that we talked about this weeks and weeks ago about the passing teams and how the passing teams in, in the second half of the season can go up the table because of the style of play and you wear teams down as the season progresses. And what's interesting is if you look at all these passing teams, you got Reading in 16th, North City at 15th, Sheffield Wednesday at 14th, Brentford at 13th, Fulham at 12th. That's where we all are. All these teams are, are similar. I mean, they're different, but similar in many ways. And uh, I think you're going to see several of them move up the table. How far? We're going to have to see. But I don't give any of these teams – uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to eliminate any of the teams I just mentioned. Even Reading, I'm not going to eliminate any teams because it is so close. And um, but the team that I'm looking at, you guys are already talking about. If, if I'm being honest, the team I'm thinking of would would probably be Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough seem to be the most complete team out of the chasing teams that I, that uh, that I've seen Fulham play. So that's the team I'm looking at. But if you're asking me if it's not going to be Fulham, it's not going to be Sheffield Wednesday, it's not going to be Middlesbrough. Yes, James, I want it to be Preston North End. I totally want it to be Preston North End uh, because they're the type of team that I gravitate towards. If, if Fulmer were not my team, I would want to be a fan of Preston North End because of the toughness, how all these players play hard for each other. They're working together. It's a real team. That's why I like Preston North End. I was impressed with your team, James. So if it's not going to be any of the teams I just mentioned, I want it to be Preston North End. No, that's good to hear. We, uh, yeah, I think we're overdue, sort of, definitely. Uh, well, we've never been in the Premiership, so it'd be nice to see us sort of mount a serious challenge. I do think 
Um, we're a couple of players short at the moment, but you know, fingers crossed, we can uh, sort of sustain the the momentum that we're starting to build now and and sort of make a sort of a, a real push of it. Um, just quickly, it was interesting sort of hearing you talk about those draws. Obviously, looking at Preston as well, we've sort of suffered similarly. Um, to you in the sense that we've drawn quite a lot of games. We've also drawn eight games. And just looking at the table now, we're only two points clear of, of Nottingham Forest. They've not drawn a game all season, and I believe they're the only team in the division that haven't drawn a game. So sort of it, looking at them, they've lost more than double the amount we have. But, you know, yeah. it's about getting those wins on the board. And it is. It's, it's really interesting to see that, you know, we've drawn eight, they've drawn none, and we're only two points clear of them. So it is about, you know, sort of obviously I'd prefer to be where we are than Nottingham Forest just simply because we're two points clear of them at the moment. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you are getting beat, as long as you're getting those sort of wins on the board, you know, yeah. you, you're still going to be up there. Um, sure. It's the same with Sheffield United. They've only drawn one game and yet they find themselves in uh, in sixth place at the moment. So it's it's fascinating to sort of look at the table and see which teams have done what. And, you know, there's there's sort of always sort of interesting points with but each James, team. I'm, I'm going to throw something on the table because we're talking about all of the draws. I, I have a theory for all three of our teams because we all three of our teams have all these draws. You're talking about Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest. And on paper, on paper, I think all three of our teams are better better teams. Talent-wise and, you know, including Preston North End, I think that you have just as much or maybe even more talent than Sheffield United, based on what I saw. So even though we're all draws, have all these draws, I think all three of our teams have more upside than both of these teams. I think our room to grow is is uh, I I think we have more of an opportunity to go forward than they do. I think that that the two teams that you're talking about, I know win or loss, I don't know if if they have room to grow. I think this is who they are. I I don't think that's the case with Sheffield Wednesday, with Fulham, and with Preston North End. I think that we're still figuring out who we are, and I think that there's still the opportunity to turn these draws into wins. Fulham have just started doing that. And I think that can be the case for both of your teams as well. I think when you look at the five teams we're talking about, our teams, even though they're drawing it, and I understand where Louis going on the draws because it does hurt, but it also tells me that it's close to being turning from 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 those draws to victories. And once you do that, I think you, I think we have more upside than those two other teams. That's just my theory. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously with us as well, we've got such a young squad that, you know, there's there's that room for sort of improvement there as they'll get more experience. Most That's of what them. I mean. I think there's room for growth with Preston North End. Yeah, definitely. And, and fingers crossed it comes this season. And, you know, we've got a young manager in Alex Neal as well. So I think if we can keep the squad together, sort of mainly holding on to Jordan Hugill would be the sort of the big one over the, the transfer window. Um, there's no reason why we can't mount a serious push um, sort of for the playoffs. Um, but that takes us quite nicely into sort of the games from this weekend just gone. Obviously, all our teams played this weekend. Um, sort of it was a mixed bag for the uh, the three of us. Um, we'll start with you first, Louis. Um, you went to Norwich, who had been struggling at home in sort of the last month or so. Um, talk us through the game and, and what were your thoughts coming out of it? Hugely disappointed. Uh, obviously, 
you know, every every Wednesday fan could see this coming because Norwich, I don't think they'd won a game in six or seven, and and we were unbeaten in six or seven. And you know, watching the game when when we went one nil up, I thought, you know, fair enough, it was a great poachers goal by Jordan Rhodes, and you know, I I I really didn't see us after going one nil up. Losing, drawing maybe, yes, because I think the first half going into the break as a draw would have been fair. Um, but second half, we just completely fell apart. And if I'm going to put it out there and say Sheffield Wednesday have n- not defended this badly in the last two and a half years as they have done in the last six weeks. And, you know, individual errors and defensive lapses are just completely costing us, like... You know, last year and the season before, we to concede three goals, it was it, it just never happened to us. Like we're, we're doing it quite regularly now, where we're was conceding two and three goals, and you know, Ipswich games where we, you know, making we, we, we're just it's it's our own downfall. We're, we're, it's that's why we're losing and drawing games because not because we're not going out and you know playing too badly. It's just that we're. we're creating our own downfall and, and that's what's the, a, a huge pain at the minute and that's what's hurting Sheffield Wednesday and you know af, after this game we've, we, we're we in 14th position now and, and Norwich have, have caught up and clawed their points to 27 and, and they're in 15th position but like I mentioned earlier I think after this game it's it's tipped a lot of Wednesday fans over the edge and a lot of fans want Carlos's head now and you know they've they've got their right to the opinion. They turn up and and pay their fee, and and it, it's it's just so frustrating because everyone knows on paper that we have got a really strong squad, one of one of the best in the league, and you know, but the football's doing the talking, and and the talking's not good enough. You know, we, we we're just really really struggling from from game to game to pick up wins. Um, like I said, we, we've touched on a lot tonight. We are drawing a lot of games, but draws can simply kill you. I mean, we, we've drawn nine this season, same as Fulham, and, and we're the teams that have drawn most in the league. Um, you know, it, it sounds crazy, and but by the simple odd goal, like Russ mentioned, you know, you take nine of those draws and t- turn those into wins. That's an extra 14, 16 points on the board, you know, and, and, and in in that perspective, we'd have been second in the table, and yeah. and that's the difference. It, the the league table is that tight, and but it is it's it's either an individual error at the back, what's costing us, you know, either three points or one point. But at the same time, because we're not scoring enough goals, that's costing us three points or one point also, and and that's the difference in this league. But yeah, the, I'm just. After the three-one loss to Norwich, yeah, I, I, you know, say no more. It, 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 every, most Wednesday fans saw that coming. It's just so disappointing because Norwich were there for the taking. They've not been fantastic this season. Um, they've, I mean, they've, they've they've won seven games and, and lost and lost eight. But I think Norwich, like Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham, are so underachieved and underachieving this campaign and. Like I said, they were there for the taking, and and we've we've just not turned up again, and and that's what hurts the most, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned obviously uh, about Carvajal there. If if he was to go, is there anyone sort of in particular that you'd like to come in, or um, 
is, is it a case of sort of getting a few new players in to sort of freshen it up and or what what would be your sort of go-to answer if, if Carvalho would, was to go? Um, you know what? I really don't know. I mean, one of the players, uh, managers, sorry, that springs to mind is Karanka. Like, I, I think Karanka did really well at Middlesbrough. And, you know, if he came in Sheffield Wednesday, then I, I'd take that. But if I'm honest, I have a feeling if, if Carvalho was to leave, then we, we'd probably bring in someone from abroad. Um and, you know, someone that was probably uh, not known in the English game, a bit like Carvajal was. I think I think that's the way we'd turn. Um, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't really say because I've, I don't I don't even know which way Wednesday would turn at the minute. And and not only that, knowing our chairman, Carvajal will not get sacked. I think that's just the the majority of fans would vote that way if if they could do. But. You know, I, like I say, I, I keep going on about it. I just, I just don't know which way to turn with Sheffield Wednesday at the minute. It's, it's, yeah, it's difficult to say. Like we've talked about, when, when you're drawing and drawing and drawing games, you, you know, some we're doing some things right, but we're also doing some things wrong. And, and like I said earlier, it's the manager who gets the blame. It's the manager who then gets the chop. And you know, as as game by game goes on. It's getting more and more difficult for Carvajal, even though a lot of people will suggest, and, and I'm going to put it out there, that you know ultimately it's it's the players what are also to blame, but it's always the manager who gets the chop, like I said earlier, and, and that's because the, the, you look at tactics and obviously something's amiss. We, we've we've got no confidence, and I think that's the main thing. What Wednesday are missing at the minute is we're not playing collectively as a team. And um, but the, the frustrating thing is also we're not too far away. Also, like we say, if you know you turn, you score another goal a game, and and we're second in the league. So uh, it is simply that difficult. I don't I don't know. Yeah, we'll move on to you, Russ. Uh, obviously, um, sort of a not an easy home game, but a home game Fulham would expect to win against the struggling Birmingham team. Um, talk us through the game and what were your thoughts coming out of it. Well, what's interesting, this kind of goes to what Louis was just talking about, just uh, our teams in general, this match actually epitomizes. It's living on the edge, and that's what Sheffield Wednesday is doing. That's what Fulham are doing. We're not clinical enough. We give up the crazy goal at the worst possible time. It did not happen in this match. They held on, but they actually got a penalty. Uh, Birmingham City did that. Again, it was one of the worst taken penalties I've seen in my life. And if that goes in, then we're talking we're talking a draw. And I can tell you the mood uh, amongst Fulham supporters is, is extremely different because they dominated the play in the first half. But the problem is that they're just not clinical enough. They get their opportunities. As the best way that I can put it to you, uh, James, is that Fulham seem to huff and puff, but they can't blow the house down. They they come close. They can create the opportunities, but in the final third, they're just not clinical enough. And it just keeps showing itself that they need a striker in the worst possible way uh, because they don't have someone that can finish off these opportunities. And uh, that's been very frustrating. Uh, again, the play can, can, can look great at times, but when you can't finish off your opportunities, you let a team like this hang around, and then there can be that situation that comes up in a match that can bite you and uh, Fulham – 
were lucky to uh, to not let it bite them in this match because it was there for the taking for it to bite them. And that's the problem that Fulham have. In one way, it's great. Like I said, a win is a win. But the performance was just not good enough because they're not clinical enough. And they need to start beating teams three, four, you know, goals. They need to start scoring more goals. They don't give themselves enough room for situations, you know, that, that, that we're running into. We're just not scoring enough. And that leaves this these situations wide open for us. You know, I mean, listen, it's all great to have a clean sheet. I, I want them to have clean sheets. A couple of these victories have recently been clean sheets. But they're still not scoring enough goals. And that's the frustrating part of this. I'm split. I'm really split here because a big part of me, I tweeted out right after the match, a win is a win. But when I really break it down and really think about it, there are two sides to the coin. If you're looking at the short term, a win is a win. That's great. That moves us up the table just a little bit. But the long term, the performance cannot be what it is if they want to get into the top six. It's just not good enough, especially against a team like Birmingham City, where they should be beating three to four to nil. They really should be, and they should have been, because that team was there for the taking, and they did not do enough to put them away. So that's the frustrating part. It, 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 it sounds crazy to, for me to be talking to you guys, complaining about a victory. It, it really does, because you should just be happy with a victory. But both Louie and I, we want more, and... The problem is that we've seen so many of these draws. And, Louis, I'm here to tell you, this is going down that path again. And that's the problem. They don't give themselves enough room for error because they're not scoring enough. So, for me, this match is a great victory because it's three points. But it just shows all the faults that Fulham have as well. Yeah, I think uh, sort of obviously you highlighted the need there for, for scoring more goals. And obviously we've got the, the January transfer window coming up fairly soon. Is that sort of firstly Fulham's main priority to get someone in who can put the ball in the back of the net? And then secondly, with that, obviously the, the rumours and speculations started again with Ryan Sessegnon. Is, yep. are, are they going to be the two key areas for Fulham going sort of through the Christmas period? Well, I'll take them both on. First, I think it's critical that they get themselves a striker. It's funny. We we all talk about this, and, and now, unfortunately, I don't see this happening. I, I wanted Dwight Gale in, in the worst possible way. You put Dwight Gale on full I think we're talking top six. Seriously, if we had him at the beginning, beginning of the season, I'm th- I think we're talking possibly fighting for automatic promotion. That's how close I think we are. He really is a missing piece. And then, of course, I also think that we need a center back and potentially a left back, and that's going to go – to all of this stuff with Ryan Sessegnon. And I'm here to tell you guys, I've watched enough of Ryan Sessegnon. This is his second season with Fulham. Great talent, incredible talent. I'm here to tell you his best position for his career should be, should be in the midfield, not at left back. Not at left back. I'm just telling you he is already much more effective when he is in the midfield because – as you guys can see, when he was last time he was in the midfield, he scored a hat trick. And that's not by accident. It's where he's being played, where he can just concentrate on having his pace, being creative, and scoring goals and setting up his uh his teammates. He needs to be in midfield. That's why Fulmer looking for a left back. 
I don't believe they're looking for a left back to replace Sessegnon. They're looking for a left back. So Sessegnon, this is just my theory, can play in midfield because they don't have one right now that is really strong enough to do what they want to do. Dennis Adoy can play at left back, but he's not attacking enough. They want their left backs to be attacking. And for some reason, they brought in Rafa Soares, and for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like he's uh, Savisa Jokanovic's uh, type of left back. So we're, we, we he's playing with the under-23s. So I think all of this speculation with Sassignan, because I, I read it over the weekend and it's going to continue, has to do with the fact that Fulham, I, I do believe, are looking for a left back, but not to replace Sassignan. I don't see him leaving in January. I think eventually, as you can imagine, I think he, he will go because the price, you know, and again, it, it, the price could be, too high for them to turn down at some point. But what's also interesting about this, that that I don't think enough are, are, are really looking into when it comes to Sessegnon and also Kearney. Both of these players want to be at Fulham. They, they've made that perfectly clear. Sessegnon's been at Fulham since age of eight, him and his brother. So this is their team. This is, this is the team they know. So for them to leave, I can see that happen, but I just... You know, you know, and again, the combination of, of um, what Fulham want to do the rest of this season, I can't see them selling Ryan Sessegnon. I just think that this is a lot of speculation that is really misguided because I think it's about the wrong thing. Yeah, obviously, we're sort of in a similar situation with, with Jordan Hugill. I think right. that we, you know, I think if we were going to have Sorry, James, him, I'd like to see Jordan Hugill on Fulham. I, I have to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I think he'd be sort of quite suited to you at the moment. You know, he's he's done sort of fantastically well for us this season and he, he certainly knows how to put the ball in the net. So if he was to go, you know, if we can get a bit of money for him and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with the attacking sort of talents we've got at the moment, if we could just bring in sort of another player to sort of fill the role, obviously I don't think we'd get anyone as good as Hugh Gill. Um, sort of we, we may get a fair bit of money for him, but, it's mainly for us about fitting the sort of the wage structure. Um, obviously, if you go out and splash sort of eight or nine million on a striker in the championship, they're going to want sort of decent wages. And I don't think we can pay that. But um, I think if, if we can, fingers crossed, keep hold of him, I think, um, you know, we can have a, a good sort of second half to the season. And, you know, that was highlighted by uh, by Burton away on Saturday. He, um, he was absolutely fantastic in the game. He didn't score, but, you know, his sort of hold-up play and, and tenacity, especially for the uh, sort of for the first goal, um, putting himself about in the box, and then the ball ultimately breaks to, to Tom Clark and he can tuck it away. And it was sort of really nice to see Clark get on the score sheet. Obviously, he's been out for about six or seven months with, uh, with a knee injury that he suffered at the back end of last season. So you could see how much it meant to him to, uh, to come back and get the goal um, he was straight over in front of the the travelling fans once he scored. You know, uh, you can see sort of how much it meant to him, and you know every North End fan was delighted for him. And you know, we won the game two one. They scored right at the end, so a bit of a consolation goal. We were sort of sat back protecting the two 0 lead, and there was barely time to take kick off. So I'm not sort of too disappointed about the goal that we conceded. It, it was virtually last kick of the game. Obviously, it would have been nice to keep the clean sheet, but you know you can't sort of have everything going your way. Um, but I thought now that we're getting players back, it was sort of really a performance that was sort of 
evident from the start of the season. It was, you know, great counter-attacking football. If you see sort of the highlight for the second goal, you know, we hit him on the break. Paul Gallagher playing an absolutely fantastic pass. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier with Hogan and Robinson, Gallagher's really taken his chance when Daniel Johnson was suspended and, you know, he's keeping Johnson at the team now and he's been absolutely fantastic since he came back in. Um, he doesn't have to pace anymore, but, you know, to sit there in the middle of the park and he's one of these players, obviously I'm not comparing the two, but he's he's in the similar mould to like a Jabby Alonso. He, he doesn't have to pace, but where he lacks in pace, he makes up for in his ability to read the game. So he's always in that right position at the right time. He can pick a pass and it allows people like Pearson and Alan Brown then to, you know, do the dirty work in midfield and, and Gallagher can sit there and, you know, dictate the play and, that was really evident on Saturday. Um, absolutely delighted with the way we played. You know, on paper, people would have said, you know, Preston going to Burton, who were bottom, you know, easy win. But there's no easy games in the championship. And going to Burton, you know, when it's snowing, is almost like sort of your traditional FA Cup tie there. You know, by all accounts, not the biggest team in the division. Um, and they made it quite difficult for us. They really sort of sort of narrowed the pitch and in the first half especially you know nullified our wingers who we've had the most success through sort of this season so I thought first half you know Burton absolutely fantastic defensively and they were unlucky not to score themselves and but sort of the second half you know it was it was where that sort of ability in the forward areas that I talked about earlier really shone through we brought Daryl Horgan on who completely changed the game it's I'd go as far as to say his best performance in a Preston shirt um that I've sort of certainly seen from him um he absolutely ran the game on the left hand side and you know he, he took his goal fantastically well it, it broke to him on the edge of the box and most players would have you know put their foot for it and tried to sort of take the netting out with it but all he had to do was place it into the far corner and make the finish look easy you know when it was uh, quite a difficult chance to take and Delighted for him that he's, you know, come in. He's not really had a fair crack at it in recent sort of months. Um, he's always been that sub who's come on for the last minute or two or when he has played well, he's never then got a chance the next game. So I'd, I'd like to see him, you know, start on Saturday against Sheffield United. Um, the only question then is who do you leave out, out of uh, Barkus and Robinson or Hugill? Because, you know, each of them have been fantastic over the last few weeks. Um so it's it's a positive sort of problem for Alex Neal to have in, in sort of terms of which players does he leave out? You know, Daniel Johnson will be pushing for a start again because he's been one of our best midfielders this season. Um, and we're getting defenders back fit as well. So it's it's positive times at Preston, which, you know, a few weeks ago when we were in the middle of that slump, I didn't think I'd, uh, they'd come back as quick as they have done. But, you know, delighted that they have done. And, you know, it takes us quite nicely into the, the double header at home over the next sort of week and a half um, and if we can get you know four or, or hopefully six points out of those games you know we're right in and around the playoffs going into the the Christmas period where the games come thick and fast so I think definitely if we can aim to get at least four points from these next two it'll stand us in good stead going into the winter break um, but that takes us quite nicely on to next weekend's games um, we'll start with you first Louis obviously you play Friday night so the day before uh, sort of both uh, mine and Russ's teams. Um, difficult, difficult game for you. Probably the worst sort of game you could have at the moment. Uh, Wolves at home. Um, so how do you see the game going and, and what would be your sort of ideal sort of outcome from the game? 
Well, like you said, it's on Friday, it's on Sky, it'll be under the floodlights and um, on paper it's the toughest home fixture of the season. Obviously, Wolves are flying and, and quite rightly so. Uh, league table doesn't lie. They deserve to be where they are. Um, Bonatini and Jota, obviously, <laughs> fantastic players in this league. Um, scored plenty of goals, got plenty of assists. Um, I also like Douglas at left-back. I think he's He's got the most assists this season um, in in the whole league. So he's having a fantastic season as well. So I think with it being at Hillsborough as well, it'll be a real open game. It might be end-to-end stuff with it being on a Friday evening. Um, it's going to be really interesting as well because obviously from my perspective, with Wednesday struggling at the minute um, and having poor form, it's going to be interesting in taking on, obviously, the best team in the league this season. Um, so I'm I'm gonna you know watch it closely and and I think it might be a real intense game. Um, but not only that, because we are really inconsistent, um, I'm gonna predict that we actually win this game. And and that's not because obviously I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan and I'm just gonna go out there and say that we're gonna win this game. But I think we're due a win, they're due a loss. Um, like I said, because it's on TV, it's Friday night, it's the only fixture that evening. I think there's no reason why we can't go out and win it. We've done it in previous games where Carvajal's been under pressure. I mean, I remember the last one where we were under a lot of pressure. We faced Leeds at home and we, we ended up winning that game 3-0. And that's probably the best performance this season that we've that we've played. And I don't see why we can't do it against Wolves. Obviously, it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, their attacking threat is is unbelievable. And I expect they will score, but that's, like I said, because we are that inconsistent. I never know which Sheffield Wednesday team is going to turn up. So I'm going to predict that we, we actually go out and win this game 2-1. Um, and, you know, if if we do, then we, we <laughs> by Friday night, we'll be in the top half of the table again. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be a really, really interesting game. But I also think it'll be end-to-end stuff. Yeah, moving on to you now, Russ, obviously, you've got a, what looks now, because they've sort of not turned the corner, but they're starting to get a few points on the board. It's Sunderland, obviously, Chris Coleman's come in and not steadied the ship, but, you know, stopped the rot. Um, yep. They got a, a quite unexpected draw away at Wolves at the weekend, which, you know, yeah. not many people would have seen coming. Um, how would you see the game going and, and what would be your sort of thoughts going into it? Well, listen, yeah. Uh... Everything points to what you're just saying about Chris Coleman turning things around at Sunderland, that it could be a difficult match for Fulham. Obviously, former Fulham man along with uh, Kit Simons, they know the club well, so they have some advantages. Uh, but I, I could uh, flip that on, on the other side and say, well, Fulham know uh, how Kit Simons likes to play too and uh, and, and probably have a good idea of, of how Chris Coleman wants to play. So with that said, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for Fulham. Fulham play better on the road. There's less pressure on the road. The pitch is bigger. It suits the way they want to play. I like my club's chances on the road. I think this is a wonderful opportunity for them going to the stadium of light and getting all three three points. So I'm I'm going to back my team here. I'm going to say that they're going to win this match three to one. Yeah, I think you should still have a uh, sort of too much about you to to sort of uh, struggle against them, and obviously Lee Catamol sort of there, you know. That's a big loss, by the way. Anchor in midfield, yeah, massive loss for them. 
Um, so I do think it'll be sort of a, a fairly tight game but I can see you coming out with the win there um, and hopefully sort of for both of your teams that you can pick up the points and stop this sort of series of draws that you've sort of been having <laughs> um, sort of Preston and I think I've probably jinxed it now we go into uh, quite a difficult home game against Sheffield United obviously they've they've been in sort of a, a poor run of form by sort of the high standards that they've set themselves this season and you know, we're coming into the game with a bit of momentum now after the last few weeks and sort of the quite sort of good results that we've managed to pick up. And what I think is going to sort of happen now, uh, I, I, well, I hope it doesn't, is uh, it'll probably end up being a draw. Obviously, Sheffield United have only drawn the one this season. So that tells you everything you need to know about them. They're sort of blowing teams away or, or sort of on the, the wrong end of the scoreline. Um but I think sort of all this talk about us on sort of a good run, them on a bad run. Um, I can see the game being a draw. Obviously, I'd like us to pick up the three points. Um, but, you know, if we can pick up a point, you know, it's another game un- unbeaten. And then we go into the Nottingham Forest game then the week after. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can pick up uh, a win in that game. Um, James, can I, at them. can I can I share a prediction on, on this match for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, well first of all, I'm, I'm going to say this because I've, I've – uh, seen both of your teams, and I'm here to tell you, I don't think Sheffield United is going to want to play against Preston North End. That's just my opinion, because I think that you can bully them a little bit and make it difficult on the, what they want to do, similar to what you did against Fulham. And uh, I think, you know, I, I think this is a good opportunity. I'm backing your team to win this match. It could be 2-1, to one, but I can see you beating this team. And I think this has more to do with what you can do to them than what they can do to you. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think it'll be a close game. I sort of hope that we can pick up the win. Um, sort of knowing my time supporting Preston, I can guarantee that Leon Clark will score against us. Um, <laughs> it always seems to be the way He's when we playing play well, James. I hate to tell you that he is really playing well. Yeah, definitely. He um, sort of he's taken me by surprise by how well he's played this season, and we and always me. seem to. And me. <laughs> yeah, he. He's, he's one of the. It always seems to happen to us. We have these players who do absolutely <laughs> nothing when they're with us. Um, they go to another team and then they'll end up scoring against us. So yeah. I think both teams will score in the game and hopefully, you know, we can uh, sort of put a few more past them than they can to us. Um, we've been sort of fairly solid at the back in recent weeks now that we've got players fit again. So hopefully that can continue and, you know, sort of a win takes us on to 35 points and that would leave Sheffield United still on 37. So we could be sort of two points off the playoffs if, if results go our way, which, you know, is, is massive for us. So fingers crossed that'll happen. Um, but as long as we can uh, sort of avoid defeat and keep this run going, I'll, I'll be sort of more than happy. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Um, cheers for joining me today, guys. If both of you want to let people know where they can find you or anything you're involved in, now would be a good time. Okay, well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman and also at the show, Cottage Talk on Twitter, just all together, Cottage Talk. And uh, feel free to uh, listen to the show on Apple iTunes, on the TuneIn app. It's uh, in several different places where you can listen to Cottage Talk. It's a show all about Foam Football Club. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my name, at Louis Shackshaft, or you can visit my website, which is louisshackshaft.com. Um, I do a lot of blogging, uh, writing, and Sheffield Wednesday statistics, so you can check those out. And I'm just about to tweet out um, my latest piece, which is called 
decisions decisions which is about obviously the Sheffield Wednesday chairman and uh, the future of <laughs> Carlos Carvajal uh, so you can check that out <laughs> yeah and you can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers I mainly tweet about Preston North End where I write for a Preston North End fan blog uh, and also Bundesliga as well mainly Borussia Dortmund so if you're interested in either of those uh, definitely give me a follow um, and as we said before you can reach us on the show at our new Twitter page which is at Championship Pod um, well, we'll tweet out the link to the show every week along with uh, a load of other stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, and we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.